Kamala Harris has stopped campaigning for president, which is apparently something she was doing before she decided to stop. Harris said she could no longer raise the money she needed to finance her strategy of making absurd and intrusive policy proposals and then cackling in a thoroughly unpleasant manner. She said she was sure that strategy would have worked eventually, though she conceded the cackling might have alienated some easily frightened voters. Harris blamed racism and sexism for her failure, saying many voters didn't like black women, especially when they were also intolerable human beings. Harris's surrender came just hours after Congressman Joe Sestak and Montana Governor Steve Bullock both dropped out of the race when they realized they had never heard of themselves and hadn't even been aware they were running. Harris had recently described herself as a top-tier candidate who could not take her rival Tulsi Gabbard's candidacy seriously. However, Gabbard reacted graciously to Harris's announcement, saying, quote, I'm truly sorry that Kamala had to end her top-tier candidacy, which was so top-tier she couldn't take seriously my candidacy, which will be continuing while her top-tier candidacy comes to an end and mine continues, unquote. Joe Biden also wished Harris well in a press conference given in the girls' room of the Richard Beamer Memorial <laughs> Elementary School in Des Moines, Iowa. Biden, <laughs> Biden said, quote, watching Kamala end her campaign, I could only think back to when little girls would stroke the hairs on my leg to watch the hairs change color. I loved it when they stroked my hair legs. And if anyone would like to do that again, you know where to find your old Uncle Joe, unquote. Biden was escorted off school grounds by local police after his eyeball exploded, leaving two people injured, while a third person suffered a serious bite from Biden's teeth, which had escaped to a room down the hall. The remaining Democrat candidates have vowed to continue their campaigns right up until the president's reelection. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I'm the hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Shape tipsy topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray! It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray! Oh, hooray, hurrah! I know all you Richard Beamer fans have been waiting all year for me to make that Richard Beamer joke. Uh, no Safe Spaces, a terrific film directed by Justin Folk, who began, uh, helped me create the Clavin on the Culture videos and has done a terrific job. It stars Adam Carolla and Dennis Prager. Go see this. If you're complaining about the fact that conservatives never get involved in the culture, you will see some culture here. It's a good film. It's a funny film. It's really interesting. Ben Shapiro is in it. You may have heard of him. Uh, you can see all kinds of, and, and if you stay to the end, you can see my name misspelled with an E in it by my friends. <laughs> exactly. By my friends over at Madison McQueen who produced it. Variety calls this film smart, vital, urgent, provocative, and witty. It follows Adam and Dennis through uh, college campuses, shows the kind of craziness that's going on, the snowflakes trying to destroy free speech. This is the kind of film you want to support. And also, you'll like it. I wouldn't just send it to you to support it. It is a good film. No Safe Spaces, rated PG-13. It's in theaters Friday, December 6th. You will want to see this amazing and enter really entertaining film. Uh, you know, there's an old story about the musical My Fair Lady. The show has a song in it you probably have heard of. It's called Wouldn't It Be Loverly? All I Want is a Room Somewhere Far Away from the Cold Night Air with One Enormous Chair and so on. The songwriters, Lerner and Lowe, wanted to write a song that was just about creature comforts, a warm room, an enormous chair, lots of chocolates to eat, and so on. They were absolutely committed to not mentioning anything about love or romance, which usually formed the center of this sort of ballad. 
but the song just wouldn't fly. In the out-of-town tryouts, it just kept falling flat. So finally, these great songwriters caved to the inevitable and added a lyric about love. Someone's head resting on my knee, warm and tender as he can be, who takes good care of me. Oh, wouldn't it be loverly? And then the song became an enduring hit, one of the great hits in theater history. Lerner and Lowe were bowing to a central rule of narrative. Stephen King, the great storyteller, put it this way. Sooner or later, you have to show them the bear. In other words, you have to deliver the goods, whether it's a love, whether it's love in a ballad or a monster in a Stephen King story or a climactic shootout in an action film. Whatever is at your narrative's core, sooner or later, you have to bring it out so that the audience will feel satisfied. Now, leftists and other clowns have long pushed a postmodern theory which holds that there are no objective truths, they're merely narratives. There's no such thing as gender or God or country. These are just stories told by the powerful to organize the world into systems that serve their power. One of the many ways in which having a completely collaborative Democrat media has actually hurt Democrats is by convincing them that this idiotic theory has any legitimacy to it whatsoever. If leftists say, for instance, that gender is a social construct All actual human beings living real life understand that this is utter nonsense, not to mention harmful crap. But if every news show you watch, every sitcom and movie and talk show pretends that this is true, if, for instance, celebrities and politicians and news people nod and smile and celebrate when some poor abused little boy is allowed to dress up in drag and parade himself sexually in front of cheering fetishists, well, you can understand that a leftist might not start to think, hey, there really is something to this theory. Look, it's right there on TV with celebrities and everything. So I'm not just some idiot leftist spouting crap. I'm smart. Not dumb, like they say. Smart. You got a taste of this phenomenon yesterday when Adam Schiff tried once again to sell his once upon an impeachment narrative. He released his committee's impeachment report, a completely ridiculous 300-page rehash of the same hearsay and deep state propaganda that failed to move the public during the recent hearings. In case you missed the point of the narrative, Schiff said, and I quote, we should care about this. We must care about this. And if we don't care about this, we can darn well be sure the president will be back at it doing this all over again. Well, I don't care. I don't think anyone cares, including the people who pretend they care. And so what? What's going to happen? What is he threatening with? The president's going to call the Ukraine again? He's going to ask Ukrainian president to investigate corruption? Is that what's supposed to keep us up at night? And isn't Schiff the same guy who lied repeatedly about the Russia investigation? Leftists who believe in narrative over truth aren't even following the first rule of narrative. You got to show them the bear, the love interest in the ballad, the monster in the horror story. And in a story about reality, the bear is the truth. That's why the whole postmodern narrative theory doesn't make sense. In a narrative about real life, the bear is the truth. And without the truth, no narrative about reality can construct anything for very long. This impeachment narrative has been a disaster for Democrats, as I told you it was going to be, and it will continue to be a disaster for Democrats because they can't show us the bear, the crime that the president is supposed to have committed. The truth, the bear ain't there. It's all narrative all the way down. It just won't work. We're going to talk more about this, but first, let me tell you about Quip toothbrushes. These are incredibly beautifully designed toothbrushes, electric toothbrushes. You got to have my dentist told me this. Actually, it was the dentist, the dental assistant who does the real work. She told me you got to have an electric toothbrush if you want to keep your teeth really clean. And when I travel, especially these Quips, the usual electric toothbrushes, they plug into the wall. They're the size of bazookas, but a Quip is slender. It has its own battery pack. You don't have to recharge it. They will send you new batteries. 
Quip's electric brush has sensitive sonic vibrations with a built-in timer and 30-second pulses that will guide you to a full brushing and an even clean. Quip makes it easy to stick to healthy brushing habits, starting with an electric toothbrush, refillable floss, and anti-cavity toothpaste. The Quip floss dispenser comes with pre-marked string to help you use just enough and Quip delivers fresh brush head, floss, and toothpaste refills to your door every three months with free shipping, so your routine is always right. And if you go to getquip.com slash Clavin right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash Clavin, spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Clavin, Quip, the good habits company. They spell the wrong things. Everybody knows how to spell Get Quip, but how do you spell Clavin? there are no so, so we have the mailbag coming up. You want to stay tuned for that. I will answer all your questions, all your problems, problems will solve. That is, that is how you will sound at the end of the mailbag section. So now the impeachment hearings, which failed in the Intelligence Committee, where they could have been researching things like the fact that China, China is stealing everybody's face, like, like those assassins in Game of Thrones. China is now making everybody who uses a phone in China record their face. Uh, they could have been studying that, but instead they were doing this impeachment thing. They released the the report and then they passed it on to the Judiciary Committee uh, headed by the great and powerful Gerald Nadler. Uh, so let's go and look at Gerald Nadler's opening statement. This is cut number one. The effect of impeachment is to overturn the popular will of the voters. We must not overturn an election and remove a president from office except to defend our system of government or our constitutional liberties against a dire threat. And we must not do so without an overwhelming consensus of the American people. There must never be a narrowly voted impeachment or an impeachment supported by one of our major political parties and opposed by the other. Such an impeachment will produce the divisiveness and bitterness in our politics for years to come and will call into question the very legitimacy of our political institutions. Wait a minute. (laughs) That blows up the whole narrative. Oh, that was Jerry Nadler in 1998 when they were trying to impeach Clinton. He said he can't do it without a consensus, without both sides, a bipartisan consensus. Right now, not only are no Republicans crossing the line, I mean, Republicans have dug in. They they know this is a clown show. They know this is the Acme impeachment machine that's going to blow up in the Democrats' faces. Democrats may start to lose some votes over here. I, don't, I still think they can get the votes. And everybody, all the experts keep saying they're going to do it. I think they're walking into Cocaine Mitch's House of Horrors uh, if they go, take this to the Senate. I mean, obviously, uh, it's John Roberts who will preside over that trial in the Senate, but they can call just as many witnesses as they want. Anyway... Now, so today they've got these lawyers and they're, you know, they've got three liberal lawyers saying, yes, a crime was committed, but they, they got nothing. They got nothing. You know, Donnie Deutsch is like, he is like the id of the left. He's like this lunatic. He's a lunatic. He's out of his mind. And he's living in this narrative where Trump is Hitler without ever checking the fact that nobody arrests him for saying Trump is Hitler because Trump isn't Hitler. If Trump were Hitler, he'd be carried off for saying that Trump is Hitler. Donnie Deutsch put it perfectly. I think he was on that Nicole Wallace show on MSNBC. And here's what he said. And Which that tells you tells you why we are and where we, we are. need that simply facts and the laws are not going to protect us right now. And the, in, the, the the point being for the Democrats, we need to twist and meld and work. We are fighting against an enemy, the Republicans, with machine guns, and we can't bring a knife to it. And I'm not saying do anything dishonest, but we have to find a way to take what is happening there and make it so compelling to the voter, because otherwise we're going to get four more years of Donald Trump and we cannot survive. Four. four more I mean, years. you know, if you go, if you run your thread, thank you. Thank you. 
There's a lot of people more concerned about being precisely, factually, and semantically correct than about being morally right. But being factually correct is important. <laughs> yeah, it is important. The facts and the law won't save us here, says Donnie Deutsch. If the facts and the law won't save you, it must be because the facts and the law aren't on your side. But you heard Nicole Wallace at the end of that clip. She says, well, he won't just be here for another four years. It'll be 14 years if we stick to your scenario. In other words, Trump is going to barricade himself in the White House. You know what? I've, I've talked about this story before. Famous uh, mythographer Leo Frobenius, a, a German writer on myth, uh, tells a story in which uh, a professor is writing at his desk and his little daughter is bothering him. So he gives her uh, three burnt matches to play with and says, go play. And she starts to play that the three matches are hand and Gretel and the witch. And after a while, she starts screaming and she says, Daddy, Daddy, take the witch away, giving him the match because she's gotten herself so involved in the story uh, that she's become emotionally connected to it. That is what has happened to Donnie Deutsch and the left and Adam Schiff and all of these people. They become connected to this emotional narrative they tell about Donald Trump being evil. And if they keep using these words, Trump has violated this and he's done this and he's destroyed the Constitution. But ask them what has he done? What crime has he committed? How has he destroyed the Constitution? They got no answer. They got nothing. Y yesterday, it was Donald, uh, Adam Schiff stands up to deliver this report. Again, 300 pages, and it's just reiterating mostly the thing. And he's got this sign next to him that says, it has quotes pulled out of the report, uh, like Trump saying, would you do me a favor? And uh, yeah, there, there it is. And a Ambassador Adam Sondland, was there a quid pro quo? The answer is yes. And acting Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney saying, get over it. Like, like you're an idiot, right? He's going to tell you, we, like, we didn't hear these things the first time. If he can just push the quote in your face, you'll understand. And then he's, he said this quote that I, I read in the opening. Uh, just play the quote that he says. We should care about this. We must care about this. And if we don't care about this, we can darn well be assured the president will be back at it doing this all over again. Because indeed, he already has. First, there was the invitation to Russia to interfere in our last election. Hey, Russia, if you're listening, hack Hillary's emails. And indeed, later that day, they tried to do exactly that. I learned nothing from Adam well, Schiff. I think he's a maniac. I think Adam Schiff is a deranged human being. I think he grew up with a complex for lots of reasons that are obvious. I think he's a very sick man. And he lies. Uh, Adam Schiff made up my conversation with the president of Ukraine. And one of the reasons people keep talking about it is that's what they saw. You take a look at that call, it was perfect. <laughs> you know, it's a terrible thing when Donald Trump is insulting you. You know, he calls people names and they're all true. And he says, you're deranged, you're crazy. I don't learn anything from that. Adam Schiff, he really doesn't. And, you know, even the report, the report says the president placed his own personal and political interests above the national interests of the United States, sought to undermine the integrity of the U.S. presidential election process and endangered U.S. national security. That's not a crime. <laughs> just like, they don't like him. I don't like you. I, you know, it's like, I disagree with you. It's unbelievable. And Jim Jordan, you know, bless Jim Jordan. He, he really brings the, the point home. And then after he says this, I'll tell you the difference between conservatives and uh, and leftists and why sometimes conservatives get things wrong. Here is Jim Jordan talking about the problem that Adam Schiff has. 
They see the polls. They know the American people understand that the facts are on the president's side. The truth is on the president's side. But I think they're so far down there. They got the train so far down the tracks. I don't think they can stop it. I think they're going to move forward with this. Uh, I think it is wrong. I think the American people understand it's wrong. Four facts, Bill, four facts have never changed. We have the transcript of the call. There was no linkage between investigations of the Bidens and any type of financial assistance to Ukraine. We have the two guys on the call who said there was no pressure, no pushing. In fact, President Zelensky said that again this past weekend. We have the fact that the Ukrainians didn't even know the aid had been withheld at the time of the call. And most importantly, they never announced an investigation, never talked about doing an investigation, never did a CNN interview, nothing to get the aid released. Those facts have never changed. It's a funny thing about facts. They don't change. But the Democrats don't care because, as Nancy Pelosi said, they have never accepted the fact that the American people made Donald Trump president of the United mm. States. That's, that, that is classic conservative thinking. And let me tell you the weakness in it and the strength in it. I'll, I'll tell you in just a minute. But first, let's talk about bowl and branch sheets, because bowl and branch sheets, for those for you sissies who sleep at night, you know, you'll you'll get in this, these sheets and sure, you'll say, oh, my gosh, these are the most comfortable sheets ever. They look great now. You'll be, and then you'll be asleep. You won't even be able to see how great they look. Boy, when you do it my way, you stay up all night. <laughs> and boy, oh, boy, do I stay up all night. Not only are you comfortable lying in bed with a bowl and branch sheets, but you can sit there and say, wow, these are really good looking sheets. And since Bolin Branch sells exclusively online, you won't pay expensive retail markup. You get twice the quality for half the price. They're unique in that each sheet is crafted from 100% organic cotton, which means Bolin Branch sheets feel incredible and look amazing. And I can tell you because I spent a lot of time looking at my Bolin Branch sheets, you know, to show you how much how confident they are, they will let you try these sheets for 30 nights. And if you're not impressed, you can return them for a full refund. Go to BolinBranch.com today and you'll get 50 bucks off your first set of sheets plus free shipping in the U.S. when you use the promo code Clavin. That's 50 bucks off plus free U.S. shipping right now at BolinBranch.com, spelled B-O-L-L and Branch.com, promo code Clavin, BolinBranch.com, promo code Clavin. Clavin. How do you, how do you spell Clavin? I'm trying to... There are no in Clavin. I just make it look easy. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. That was classic. Jim Jordan, classic conservative. Adam Schiff is all about the story. He's trying desperately to tell you the story. Little pencil neck Adam Schiff. <laughs> Little pencil neck turtle out of his shell Adam Schiff. He is selling this story so desperately, but he hasn't got the bear. He hasn't got the crime. He hasn't got the facts. He can't bring it. He can't bring the story because it's not there. And Jim Jordan says, look, here are the facts. There was no quid pro quo. There was no investigation. They got their money. What happened? Where's the crime? There's no commission of a crime, even if Trump said something maybe uh, that was untoward, as he always does. So that is that is why conservatives win in the short run. How does it happen that they lose in the long run? Why do I keep complaining that we don't get involved in the culture enough? I was just talking to Seb Gorka about this on his show, Sebastian Gorka on his show, uh, America First, that that when, when, you know, it's Ben's saying, you know, that facts don't care about your feelings, which is absolutely true. But one of the things is feelings are also facts. And in fact, your inner life is the reason you're alive. That's the that's where all the love and joy and uh, and the miraculous life that we live happens. It happens inside. It happens in feelings. And what the way the culture affects that is it can it can make you deluded. Now, the, the way that the left is wrong is they think that delusion then becomes the truth. They think if they can change the narrative over time, that narrative will then become the new truth. But that's not right. That is not the way it works. You can become deluded. We saw this in the Soviet Union. We saw people in the Soviet Union suffering 
uh, poverty and de deprivation, but thinking, well, this really means something. We're really bringing a better world because they were deluded into thinking that. We see this in San Francisco. They've turned that city into a hellhole. People shooting up on the street, defecating on the street, and they're thinking, yeah, but, but this is good. This is compassionate. This is fair. They're deluded. That delusion doesn't become the truth. That's the flaw in the narrative, and eventually these things collapse because the truth is the truth. So you can win. You can win. <laughs> if you keep telling lies to people, you can win them over. Uh, over the long term, the facts will come back to life, right? The facts will come back to haunt you. This is what, what happened to Kamala, Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, when she came out, uh, they just said, this is the top candidate. Why? She looked like the candidate they thought a candidate should look like, right? Here's here's Chris uh, Saliza, the CNN political writer, quoted uh, today in the Wall Street Journal, right? He's writing, uh, he's writing, this is writing in uh, November 2018 when Kamala Harris announces her candidacy, right? And this is classic. It's classic how, how leftists think. He's, he's writing with Harry Enten at CNN.com. If there's one lesson Democrats should learn from the 2018 election, it's this. Their base wants to make history. Democratic voters helped elect a historic number of women to Congress. They elected the first Muslim American woman. They voted in the first Native American women. Everywhere you looked on the map last Tuesday night, Democratic voters were backing women and oftentimes women of color. So, so that's what they see. They have this narrative about race and gender, and they see that that's what they were doing. It doesn't, they don't stop to ask, well, Maybe it was the policies. Maybe they were, the voters cared about the policies. Maybe the voters didn't like the Republican. Maybe the voters wanted to send a mes message to Donald Trump. All they see is that image. That's part of the narrative, what a character looks like, right? And, that, and he says, he goes on to say, that brings us to the 2020 Democratic presidential race and specifically to California Senator Kamala Harris. We've always ranked Harris highly in these rankings due to the importance of California. But the 2018 election convinced us that Harris seems to be exactly what Democrat voters are telling the party and its politicians they want. She's young. She's a non-white woman. She looks like the Democrat Party base. And if 2020 is anything like 2018, that's a very good place for her to be. Add it all up. And we've got a new number one candidate on our 2020 rankings. And here is Kamala Harris uh, yesterday. This is cut eight. Cut eight. Here's the deal, guys. Uh, my campaign for president simply does not have the financial resources to continue and the financial resources we need to continue. I'm not a billionaire. I can't fund my own campaign. And as the campaign has gone on, it has become harder and harder to raise the money we need to compete. In good faith, I cannot tell you, my supporters and volunteers, that I have a path forward if I don't believe I do. So to you, my supporters, my dear supporters, it is with deep regret, but also with deep gratitude that I am suspending our campaign today. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Number one, she was, remember when she said, let's be honest, I'm a top tier candidate. I'm a top tier candidate. No. Nope. She never polled. She never polled, I think, above around 15 percent. I think that was about as high as she got. She was incredibly unpleasant. She was unpleasant even to, to the Democrat base because she had that tough uh, prosecutor thing she was selling, which they don't like. They don't want criminals to go to jail. They think criminals are abused by the evil United States. They think it's the United States that should go to jail, not the criminals. They think we've got it backwards. So when she bragged that she sent all those people to prison for smoking marijuana, when she bragged that she threatened 
parents with uh, prison if their kids were truant. Uh, she wanted to, even everything she did, so who was it at the Federalist? Uh, David Marcus called her the queen of the ban. He said, along with banning private health insurance, remember she wanted to ban private health insurance. Uh, Harris also wanted to ban for-profit colleges, assault weapons, fossil fuels, personal cars. And she wanted Trump banned from Twitter, which I mean, I'm sure there are people on the left who think that's a great idea, but most of us think like you're going to stop the president from communicating with the people. I mean, she was a really, really unpleasant candidate and she had really nothing to sell and her policies uh, didn't work. And and now, of course, they've got this other narrative. He back, we'll go back to Nicole Wallace and Al Sharpton. Why did Kamala Harris fare, fare, fail? Even in California, they don't like her. Her staff didn't like her. Uh, she she had no ideas. But here they go. They've got the narrative and they stick to their narrative. I do think that women are still held to different standards as candidates. They have to have well-run campaigns. Never mind that Donald Trump didn't have a campaign. He literally flew around Absolutely. with hope ironing his pants. They they have to be perfect on the stump, which she, I never saw her stumble. Joe Biden is beloved. Uh, I'm a fan. He's never perfect on the stump. I mean, I do think there is a gender piece here that we still suck at talking about. No, you're right. And I, I don't mean to cut you off. You're right. Women, <laughs> women she, told the, she told the guys to shut up. All right. But the, we the, need I to need, shut up. Need to okay. say this, you women are held to a different standard and black women especially held to a different I agree. Standard. Yeah, that that was the problem. Yeah. Paul Bois, or our Paul Bois, the Daily Wire, he collected these tweets. Uh, Kamala Harris officially ended her campaign today, which means that all of the candidates who currently qualify for the Demis December Democratic debate are white. That's from journalist Lauren Duca. Obviously, says this is uh, LGBT uh, activist Sally Cohn. Uh, one hands up, don't shoot, who invented that one. Obviously, I'm no centrist, but it's downright effed up that smart, compelling, very experienced centrist Democratic candidates of color are floundering while a smart but wildly inexperienced centrist white mayor of teeny tiny city is surging. Bad look, Democrats. Uh, from CNN correspondent M.G. Lee, Kamala Harris campaign was historic, a black and South Asian female candidate whose potential seems sky high Early on, her dropping out means that every candidate that's qualified so far for the next debate is white. It is like, it's like the narrative is a snake that has turned on them and is biting them. You know, it really is an amazing thing. They've gotten caught up because if if Kamala Harris failed because she's black and a woman, she didn't. But if if that's why, who is who are the racists? Who were the sexists? Not us. Not the conservatives. We're not voting in their in their primaries. It must be the Democrats. It must be a party filled with racists and sexists. So what? What? who who can you run but a white man? Who can you run but a white man in the Democrat Party? I mean, it, when uh, the uh, when the Republicans had a big field in the last primaries in, the, in 2016 or 2015, at this point, there were still a lot of different colored people in the race, but not no, not the Democrats. So apparently this this narrative that, that everyone is racist, that American racist has, has curled back on them and has bitten them. I got to tell you something about narrative. I'll, I'll close with this. First, let me just tell you about wise foods, because all of us live in a disaster zone. All of us live in a potential disaster zone. And here in California, we have earthquakes and fires. New York, you know, there's always some terrible thing going on. If you live out in the country, there are tornadoes. Wherever you are, 
the earth can be unsafe. You got to prepare. I'm not saying this is going to happen to you, but you got to be prepared. And wise foods can help you. When government resources are strained, it can be days, if not weeks, before you can get to fresh food and water. You can't rely on someone else. You got to rely on yourself. So don't put yourself in a situation where you need something you don't have. Get prepared today with wise foods. All their ingredients are chef prepared internally by wise company. They cut out all the middlemen. They pass the savings on to you. And all you need is four cups of water. It doesn't need to be hot. You take the contents of the pouch, pour them into the water, you stir, cover it, and that's it. In 15 minutes, you get a meal ready to eat. This week, Wise has extended its Black Friday sales event. So go to wisefoodstorage.com to take advantage of these offers that only come around once a year. In addition to that, if you text WISE to 29691, You'll be sent a $10 coupon code that you can use towards any item on their website. No exclusions. That's text WISE to 29691. And as always, shipping is free to my listeners. Text WISE to 29691 for ongoing automated text offers from WISE Company. Message and data rates may apply. Visit wisefoodstorage.com for privacy and terms. Organic narratives, right? Like God, uh, like religion, like gender, like country like money. They grow up around the truth they represent. They're like words. They communicate a truth that maybe isn't exactly what the words say, but they communicate a truth. God is beyond our knowledge. It says so right in the Bible. No one has ever seen God. God is beyond our knowledge. But the word of God comes to us in human flesh. It speaks the God that we can't fully know. It speaks to us of the God we can't fully know. Money is the same. Value is something we calculate in our heads. We have an innate sense of what something is worth at a given moment. Shoes, what, a sh- what shoes are worth if you're living large and you're on Fifth Avenue, and what shoes are worth if you're in the desert and your shoes are falling apart around you. Those are two different things. We express that ineffable sense of value through the narrative, through the word of money, right? The same is true of male and female. Men and women are different. We know they're different, but it's hard to put into words exactly how they're different. You can put some of it into words, but we express it by the ways we behave, by the ways we dress. You can't change that narrative and change the underlying truth. It doesn't work that way. It's the truth that generates the narrative, not the other way around. And this is why, this is why the the left gets burned and why they are get burned be, when all the media is on their side, because the media keeps feeding their narrative back to them, and they start thinking, yeah, if we change the narrative, this is a bombshell. Look at the impeachment. It's a bombshell. It's devastating. It's the beginning of the end. It's the walls closing in. I see it right there on TV. It just ain't so, because they haven't got the bear. They can't show us the bear. There's no crime there. There's no truth there. And ultimately, that will fall apart. You can delude people. You can fool some of the people all the time. You can fool fool all the people some of the time. But the truth will out. The truth will rise up. And only stories that have the truth at their core, only stories that have the truth at their core are stories that will last. Speaking of places that have the truth at their core, what about the Daily Wire? For as little as 10 bucks a month, you can get our articles ad-free, access to all of our live broadcasts, our full show library. You can select bonus content, and you get the exclusive Daily Wire app, which is great. By the way, it, it really is good. It's on the phone, iPhone. It's on the, your, your phone or your pad or whatever, uh, and it really does work well. And if you choose the new all-access plan, you'll get all that stuff, plus the legendary and it truly is legendary, the Leftist Tears Tumblr. What is the legend of the Leftist Tears Tumblr? I don't know what it is, but I know there must be one because it's legendary. That only would make sense. You also get our brand new Ask Me Anything style discussion feature that allows you to engage 
with all of us here uh, online. It really, it really, we really give you value for this subscription. And the important thing is not that we give you value. The important thing is you give us money because we want your money because that's how we live. And, and by the way, it also protects us from boycotts and media matters and all that garbage. You know, there, there aren't many businesses where people are, spend all their time, have full-time jobs trying to shut us up. But we have people who spend all their days, they get up in the morning, they, they probably don't shower because they're leftists, but they go to, they get dressed, they go to work. Maybe they don't even get dressed, but they go to work and they spend all day long trying to shut us up, trying to shut me down, down and Ben and Knowles. And that's what they do. But if you support us, they can't touch us. And that's why you should subscribe also because we give you all sorts of good stuff. The mailbag is coming up. Come over to dailywire.com. Mailbag. It is Wednesday, my dudes. <laughs> I don't know what that was, but, but it was. Let's see if that's what you sound like after this mailbag. All right, uh, from uh, from Tom. What do you think Hillary is going to do? Uh, my belief is that she will wait until the convention. If there is no first ballot winner, she'll swoop in and claim only she can beat D- Donald Trump. This way she saves the energy and embarrassment of having to run in the primaries. I don't think Hillary is in this. I can't predict what she's going to do because she's such a loon and such a drunk and so ambitious and crazy and for power. I can tell you she doesn't stand a chance in hell of getting the nomination, of winning if she got the nomination. She is done. She is a punchline. The people, you know, the people who uh, feared her are gone. The power structure she had is is gone. She's not going anywhere. And that's not I mean, sometimes I worry about Michelle Obama. She might get into it. And Hillary might get into it, but if she does, it will only be to humiliate herself once again. Uh, from Sergeant M, I'm a longtime listener, newly subscriber, and first-time mailbagger. I'm a soldier in the U.S. Army. Uh, two weeks ago, I lost a buddy in an accident. Uh, his service is this weekend. I'm torn about going. I have always believed that funerals are for the living, to grieve and such, but not the dead. I want to show my respects for my friend, but I just can't stand the passing of the flag, especially when it's for someone I know. I've seen it too many times. What should I do? Sarge, well, first of all, Sarge, thank you, and I'm so sorry for your loss. Uh, You know, I I can only tell you what I would do. I would go. Uh, And the reason I say that is because I have not gone to funerals, and I've always regretted it. Uh, You know, you say, well, the person there... Uh, the person who's dead, of course, won't mind, but you do it for the people who are living, not just yourself, but also the other people who are there mourning them. They want to see uh, you show up. They want to see that even even your grief helps them uh, with their grief. And you later on will feel better for having done it. I, listen, I don't want to break your heart. I understand exactly what you're saying. I, I truly do. Uh, but I think that you will re- I think you'll regret it. And I think it's it's worth going. Uh, suffer, even suffering the pain can be cathartic and can lift you past the moment uh, of your loss. So that's that's what I would do. Uh, and I think I think you'll be happier in the long run if you do it. Uh, from Denzel, hello, President Clavin, Commander in Chief of Bald Nation. <laughs> Why in fiction are so many people so drawn towards, fascinated by villains and monsters, but not so in real life? Well, the, the reason I believe is because 
villains represent things about ourselves that we don't always talk about, right? Heroes too often represent what we like, the way we like to see ourselves, the square-jawed hero who doesn't uh, balk, who is brave, who doesn't run away, uh, who always does the thing of integrity, right? And I, I believe the problem with those heroes is they don't represent reality, and what we really need is heroes who are as interesting as villains. I mean, heroes uh, who are flawed, heroes who have problems uh, are riveting, right? You don't really think too much of the villains in Casablanca, you think of Rick uh, Blaine because he's a flawed, damaged guy uh, who just really stays in your memory. You remember him whining and crying into his booze uh, over a lost love and think, gee, you know, that's a guy who finds his strength and finds his courage as we have to do in real life. So I think that monsters and villains represent things that we know are inside ourselves. And too often uh, heroes launder that and they don't show us people as they really are. I'm not talking necessarily about anti-heroes. I'm simply talking about real heroes uh, who are afraid, who have flaws, who uh, are tempted by corruption. Uh, you know, a lot of people um, attacked me uh, in the latest, the final season that we're in of Another Kingdom when I showed uh, the hero kind of really getting off uh, betting women and, you know, using his power, his Hollywood power to get women into his bed. And they thought this is pornographic. And I thought, no, this is actually the joy of corruption. This is the joy that you feel when you do, you know, people don't do bad things because they feel bad. They do bad things because they feel good. And, and that was what I was trying to show. And that makes, to me, makes him a much more real hero when and if he finds uh, the hero inside him. So that's, that's what I think. I think that in a lot of stories, the villains are just more interesting. Um, from Ben, dear God of all that is holy, mighty, just, and worthy. That's not me. Uh, I recall hearing Ben Shapiro and others repeatedly say that you should always try to date people with whom you share common values. I recently had a relationship end due to my support of President Trump. Um, does this show emotional maturity on her part or leftist intolerance? Keep in mind, this woman refused to discuss any specific issue. She just said, I just don't do conservatives, and that's that. So in other words, was she following Ben's diktat to not uh, to only go out with people who share your values? Here's, I've, I've disagreed with Ben uh, publicly about this, and here's the reason. Ben believes that politics reflect your values, and that's true up to a point. A lot of people's politics don't actually reflect their values and because they don't know that much about politics and they just have feelings and they vote the way their parents voted and they vote the way their friends vote and that's and it doesn't really reflect their values. I know a lot of left-wing Democrats who live like right-wing people. They live out my values. And I have sometimes asked some of them, you know, if this is the way you live, why don't you vote for people who support that way of life? Well, that would be intolerant and then I'd be a Nazi. That would be, you know, they have all these prejudices. So, People who, with different politics can actually share values uh, because there's just the space between our politics and our values. There shouldn't be. We should vote our values, but we don't. And so that's the thing. When some, but when somebody says to you, I, I don't do Trump uh, supporters, yeah, it's small-minded. It is closed-minded in the extreme. It's a, a delusion about who Trump is and what he's done and who he really is. It's buying into all this stuff. But it tells you that that person, that's where that person lives and you're not losing anything. You wouldn't want to be with her. Uh, if if that's the way she is, I don't. What I'm saying though is I don't think politics always reflect the true values that people have, and that's why I think it's worth getting to know people who disagree with you, and also hearing why they disagree and seeing where you have common ground. I think it could be an actual uh, experience of growth. Um, so she's the one who lost out. Um, from James, I was raised Catholic, went to Catholic school, uh, no, no longer have a connection to church, but do have a connection to God. Um, 
We are taught that God sent his only son to earth to teach us and to suffer and die for our sins. One thing I always wondered about was why was he sent then at that specific time in history and what happens to people uh, who were born before that and who didn't get to hear the gospel? All right, well, there are a lot of answers to this. I mean, first of all, you can see why uh, Jesus came at a specific time in history. This was the time of the Roman Empire when the Roman Empire was spreading uh, culture throughout the Western world and eventually uh, throughout the entire world. And so it was a wonderful moment for an idea to spread. It was a wonderful time for an idea to spread. And then Christianity, uh, unlike, for instance, Islam, Christianity spread through peaceful means at first. You know, it spread because people said this is a good thing. And especially as the values of the Roman Empire started to collapse, uh, it spread because people saw this is something better uh, than the temporary um, values of power and might that the Roman Empire represented. What happens to people who didn't, who weren't born, uh, who were born before the arrival of Jesus? Were they saved? There are lots of different answers to this question and people who haven't heard it. Most, I, I think most Christians believe that there is a mechanism for their salvation. Some Christians believe, for instance, that when Jesus died, he was gone for three days. He went into hell and he harrowed hell. He took the people out of hell who deserved to be saved. So he actually preached to the dead. And we, in uh, the Episcopal Church and in the Catholic Church, they say he will come to judge the living and the dead. So uh, that people who have died will, will get a chance to stand before him. Uh, you know, I... As you know, as those who listen to me know, I don't bother myself with these questions very much because I have a complete trust in God's perfect justice. So I, you know, if I think, oh, well, this isn't fair, that's not fair. I mean, look, there's a lot of things in life that are so unfair. I mean, children getting sick uh, and dying. You know, these are things that no religious person can come up with an answer for, except that the world is a broken and tragic place. But we trust that God has a justice that goes beyond this. We trust that we, we can't see with our limited minds the entire scope of eternity and things look very different. We can imagine that things must look very different to an eternal mind than they do to our limited minds, limited in time. But what, what I do with questions like this, even though there have been lots of answers, like I just said, uh, suggested, um, what I do is I just trust in God's perfect justice. I'm sure, I'm sure it will be, uh, all will be well and all manner of things will be well. Um, from Clayton, hello, magnific- magnificent ruler of all things, Clavany. I have found myself in a predicament. I would greatly appreciate some advice I have the opportunity, I finally have the opportunity to return to college after paying off past loans, while at the same time a unique job opportunity that would require that I not attend college but pays incredibly well has arisen for a short time. I wouldn't enjoy this job, so under other circumstances I'd choose college and do something I'd enjoy. The special circumstances are that I'm in a relationship with a girl I love and plan to marry. She has a very young son that I love like he was mine, and this job would immediately help them both. But if I take the job, then how will I teach my son that he should always choose what will fulfill him over money? Yeah, don't take the job. Go to college. Look, if uh, if you are, um, if this is a, a long-term thing, if you're actually going to marry this girl, uh, then you are a team, and she has to help you get where you want to go uh, so that you can then help her and support her and help support her in the raising of her child and all that. To take a job that is not the life that you want uh, simply because it's going to help her in the short term is not how that team would work. Uh, that's not teamwork. You know, you want to, if you're all in this together, uh, then she will want you to be fulfilled. She will not want you to sacrifice uh, your dreams and your life uh, just for short term gain. That would be, it would be a mistake. It would just be a mistake. So unless, uh, you, you know, 
Obviously, if this is a question of starvation, of desperation, you need the money right now, uh, you know, that's, that might be different. But if you're talking about you have wiggle room and she can work and she can do things and help you get through college and then you'll help her after that, then that's what you should do. I mean, you, if you're going to marry her, you're in this together and you should all work together for the best. Um, from Robin with a Y, R-O-B-Y-N. Uh, hi, Andrew. You are the best commentator in the media. Oh, thank you very much. That's And of course, that's true. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I really laugh at your humor and the way you explain issues with a twist. You are right. We have to be brave, although we're almost hamstrung because Christians are taught to live in peace. If it is in our control, be a good Samaritan, be kind to everyone and love everyone. These come naturally when you truly love the Lord. So when is it time to be and do all the things above, but fight for freedom. Uh, I know God has all things in his control and ultimately he wins, but how do we balance life in the spiritual battle about being true to ourselves? You know, I, I think that that's a misreading of what Christian love looks like. After all, uh, Jesus stood against an empire. He stood alone against an empire. I mean, this is the thing that people forget. He stood in front of an empire and said, you can't touch me. I, you cannot make me say what I will not say. You cannot make me do what I will not do. Go ahead kill me. And they did. And the thing is, you know, when you stand for something, when you stand for truth, you don't have to be cruel to people. This is, this is a mistake. A lot of guys especially make this mistake. Somebody wrote me the other day. He was angry at what I said about Mr. Rogers. And he said, you know, you think I'm a wimp because I watched Mr. Rogers, which by the way, I never said, you think I'm a wimp. Well, I'm going to punch you in the face. And I thought, yeah, that uh, Mr. Rogers had a good effect on you. Guys think, you know, that makes you strong, but it doesn't. You, you only have to stand where the truth is. And believe me, Believe me, the powers that be will come after you. They will come after you if you speak the truth fearlessly, if you represent the truth fearlessly, and if you do what needs to be done fearlessly, they will come after you, and you don't have to be mean to anybody. You simply have to stand and not cede your ground, as Jesus did. Um, from Jacob, dear Supreme Leader of the Multiverse, got one more here. I'm studying filmmaking and almost have my degree. You've mentioned several times cinema is basically dead. I just found out my wife is pregnant with our first, and frankly, I'm scared. I won't be able to provide for my family. Filmmaking is all I ever cared about, but now it's not just about me. In a recent speech, you told a journalism student something along the lines of learn the craft of journalism and you'll have work. Does that advice apply to me? Not necessarily, no. Um, it, it really doesn't. It, it depends what part of filmmaking you're involved in. If you want to be a director... Uh, that is a very hard job to get. They need directors. Directors do, uh, you know, really talented directors uh, can get work. But the arts <clears throat> are the, one of the hardest professions there is. People like me who have lived their lives in the arts and supported themselves in the arts are rarer than um, professional base, baseball players who are extremely rare. So it, it is... you. When you are an artist, you are risking everything. You are risking your family's safety. You're risking your own safety. Uh, I know a lot of people who gave their life to the arts and failed and now don't have the college degree that they would have had or the good paying job that they would have had. So you got to make your call. You know, I can't make that call for you. That's the call you got to make. What, how much talent do you have? How desperate are you to do this? How unhappy will you be if you don't do it? I always tell writers, the first advice I always give to young people who want to be artists is if you don't have to do it, don't do it, because this is a job that takes every inch of you, just like raising children. It requires every cell in your body to be an artist, and you got to really have, you have, you, you don't have to want to do it, you have to need to do it. You have to be unable to do anything else, and then, and then you will do it. If you can not do it, don't do it. But, you know, in, in your case, I, I just, to, to say that if you really want to be, when you say a filmmaker, I'm 
picturing a director. If you want to be a director, that is a big, big risk. Only a few people make it. There's a million, what is it? There's a million broken hearts for every light on Broadway. So it's a risk. And I, I can't promise you. Like what I said to the journalist is if you have the skill of gathering information, because that's the thing that journalists need, it, it is easier to find work. You have more guarantee of work than if you're just an opinion person or just a person who likes to write or whatever. Uh, if you have, there's a, an actual skill to gathering journalism. The arts are just totally different, totally different ballpark. So you will be taking a big risk, and that's a decision only you can make. I got to stop. I'll be back again tomorrow. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. All I want is a room somewhere far away from the cold Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knowles Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Claven Show is produced by Austin Stevens and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay, and our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant Director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Saevitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. And our production assistant is Nick Sheehan. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Another 2020 Democrat drops out of the race, and that candidate's failure says a lot about Democrats' present dilemma. We will examine the fallout as another one bites the dust. Speaking of which, an explosive new book sheds new light on who Jeffrey Epstein was, how he died, and if he died. A transgender woman, meaning a man, demands a gynecological visit. We explain why it matters, and Hong Kong protesters find hope in swole Trump. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. Michael Knowles Show.